Welcome to episode 93 of We The GamerCast. It's the official podcast of WeTheNerdy.com. I'm just going to keep pushing through that. It publishes on iTunes and Google Play every Monday. Thank you for listening and subscribing and rating us on iTunes. You might be wondering what the hell is happening. I just got a picture sent to me of Lincoln sleeping in the very next room. So that's awkward. I I had some work to do on this episode. There was a couple times where the Skype call dropped out, so I was I've been spending the last little bit editing, cleaning this up. I may have missed a spot. I don't think that I did, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. So it's Thursday night as I record this. Normally I record the day before it drops. We are all packed, ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. Some of you might know where that's from. Armageddon, come on, best movie ever. Um, we're going camping, so I need to, and we may not be back on Monday morning, so I want to make sure this is all set. I don't know if I'm being too loud now. God, this is, this is new. This is not, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. I'm really sorry, guys. Anyway, if you're new, <laughs> it's not normally like this. Here's the deal. Every week, I have Sweet Hangs with the Stranger from the Internet. We talk about video games. And if you want to be on the show, it's easy. Tweet at me. It's Sean Capri, Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. And by the way, the show is made possible thanks to our excellent patrons over on patreon.com slash make us better, like our executive producers, Nick Militia from Next Level Games at NL Video Games and Joel Brooks at underscore Joel Brooks. Holy crap. What a week it has been. Last week I had Dapper Tux on. He was our sort of like our, our dream come true episode. He All you have to do is just open your veins and shed a little blood and then you can go to E3. Apparently that that's the lesson I took away from it. What an amazing episode last week. Thank you to Dapper and thank you to so many people for reaching out to Dapper Tux and, and just giving him some, some words of encouragement and just thanking him for being on the show it's it means you know it's it's nice for me to say thank you but it means even more when you guys reach out to the guests and just tell them that you enjoyed their time here on we the gamer cast that that's kind of nice so thank you and lots of kind words from the xbox canada team i uh i hope to have a couple of really exciting things in the works i don't want to jinx it but we'll leave it at that some really cool opportunities coming out from from last week's episode so thank you so much and thank you to Ben Butler, who you're going to meet in a second here. If you don't already know him from Generational Gamers Podcast with Why Did I Mess Up Podcast, that out of all those words, Generational Gamers I actually have a hard time with. Podcast. Goodness gracious, it is late tonight. Uh, we'll get through this together. I want to thank Ben for being so gracious. Um, he was supposed, you may have, the, the people who are astute may have noticed that I promised Ben's episode for June 26th. And you also may have noticed that was last week. And uh, then this opportunity with Dapper Tux came up and I wanted to make sure that that episode came as close to the, to after E3 as possible. So that's why that came last week. But Ben was very nice and understanding that that's, that's what happened. And I'm so sorry that this episode yeah, I had to wait a little longer, but sometimes the good things in life you got to wait for. There's probably a good uh, idiom about that that somebody else knows. I want uh, 
I want to just talk a little bit about things <laughs> that I have foolishly been spending my money on, because uh, who knows when I'm going to get around to play any, playing any of this stuff. As I record this, the DLC for Zelda is becoming available. It's probably downloading right now. So, so that's a thing. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing all the different places that I haven't even come close to to visiting with the whole with the heroes trail and everything else there's honestly for now that's all i really want i know there's a whole bunch of other stuff so i'm i'm pumped to go back there i actually haven't touched zelda in in quite some time i know the last time that i did there was no doubt in my mind that this is going to be game of the year even as i play horizon which i think in my mind is kind of like number two or or at least my my interpretation of other people's excitement about it because i'm only about 10 hours in and so I'm not even sure if it's my number two, but this is, as I look to the landscape of uh, podcasters and opinions out there, it seems like Horizon is uh, gunning for that spot, but I'm not sure if it's there for me. So I'm I'm excited to jump back into Zelda because it really is like a world-class generational type of game. This is a once-in-a-gen... Look at that. That's nice, hey, Ben? That's that's pretty pretty sweet tie-in and then it's the battle of the sales right now so there's a sony sale going on by the time this goes up the xbox sale will be in full swing i think to earlier today there was a little bit of a preview and a little bit of a letdown on the xbox side and then the steam preview i think i talked about last week a little bit on the sony side let me let me know what you guys think about this i a couple of years ago played resistance burning skies i got it on my vita but i i got it second hand i actually got my vita second hand chelsea uh got it for me for my birthday a few years ago and it came with resistance burning skies but it that's one of those games with an online pass where you have to have this special code to play online games and then it has of course a trophy play a single multiplayer match well i can't do that if uh, the online pass has already been used by the previous owner and that game is not too hard to get all the other trophies so I, i've been sitting with that game with 99 percent trophy completion basically up until this week spoilers i i spent six dollars to buy this game digital so that i could get the online pass and then play one terrible terrible match of online just to get this this platinum and you know what i don't regret it i don't regret it at all <laughs> i hum and haw about six dollars on far better games trust me and i jumped on this pretty pretty quickly i honestly wasn't even sure if it was gonna work like who is playing this game right now but i i have a feeling i'm not the only one in this situation because there was you can see in the lobby how many matches people have played like what level they are and, and everybody's brand new so everybody's just in there to get their their single match in there so i i congratulate anybody who recently got their platinum for Resistance Burning Skies for the PlayStation Vita. And also, if you're out there and you have this game and you need this trophy, hit me up because I couldn't have done this without uh, some of the help from just random people out there. Um, Greg Miller retweeted my plea for help and, and immediately people flooded the lobby. So I will pay that forward 100%. Far better games. Uh, I, I mentioned Mutant Mud Super Challenge. It was like two bucks Canadian, so it's like a quarter for everybody else. You guys have to pick that up. Um, my, my goodness, even you get a trophy for that for just dying on the spike. So just go, go try and get a couple of trophies in that. It's definitely worth the two dollars or whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's 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 definitely worth it. But it's it's about the price. It's it's about the price of half of a beer, I think. Uh, also. Hotshots World Invitational 
goodness, what else did I get? God of War 3 Remastered. Why did I do that? Well, it was $4. Adrift, I'm a big fan of Gravity. So I think that's like Gravity the game. That was 3 bucks Canadian. There goes my phone. Holy crap, that was unprofessional. Fat Princess Adventures, two sixty nine. Like, I spent $20 total. And guess what the most money I spent? It was on Stupid Resistance, a game I already had. And it was just for one trophy. And finally, uh, Zombie Vikings. Zoink games, right? I think. Pretty sure that's Zoink games. So that's some games that I will probably eventually get around to. Uh, for now, I continue on with, with Horizon. I rented Rhyme from the library. This was that Sony exclusive that ended up going cross-platform and caused a whole bunch of hubbubaloo, hubbubuff, wobblepuff it. Um, when it was more expensive on the Switch, I rented it for the Xbox. I played for maybe 20 minutes, and that's just... Not for me. It's another, um, you know, narrative wander around and the environment tells the story. And like, it's not a heavy game, but for some reason it's just chugging along on the Xbox. And I don't have any other thing, anything else to compare it to. I just don't understand why a game like that is, is chugging along. And it didn't grab me. It, I mean, I, I'm tired these days, but that thing really knocked me out and put me to sleep. I'd rather play games like Next Machina on my PC, uh, or Lawbreakers. I tried that, that beta out. It's moving over to PlayStation 4, uh, probably tonight. So that's happening. I actually kind of want to try it on console because I'm not sure that I can even like attempt to compete there on the, uh, on the PC. But anyways, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, my guest this week, like I said, is Ben Butler from the Generational Gamers podcast. My goodness, that is, I just have a real tough time with that one you guys. Uh, I wanted to ask Ben about living on a submarine. I had John Beeler. Well, actually, he's Johnny Casino, but back then he was John Beeler back on episode 52. And I was just digging up some old emails from my from my good friend, John, uh, back before we were good friends, back before we were just getting to know each other. And and we were so cordial with each other. We were complimentary. It was, it was pretty hilarious to go check those out. I've been wanting to have Ben on the show for a very long time. This is a long time coming. I'm sorry this wasn't last week, but trust me, it's worth the wait. He's an infectious kind of guy. I I hope you guys enjoy this. Here he is, Ben Butler. Look, you know, I wanted to start kind of like right where the thing that I know about you is that you served time on a submarine with Johnny Casino, then known as John Beeler. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I, when John and I talked for the very first time, I, I kind of got into, you know, like why, why the hell would you go on a submarine? I'm going to ask you sort of like the same question, man. Like what, what in the world... Was it video games? I have sort of have this feeling that like like maybe video games don't create murderers, but maybe they create people going into the service. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, for me, not particularly. The uh, I ended up in my dad was army for like thirty years, mm-hmm. uh, so I grew up in a military household. Okay. And uh, when I got out of high school, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of options because I was kind of lazy, and I looked at the army first. <laughs> 
And I was originally going to go into there, but my recruiter was bad. My dad was in uh, Kuwait at the time. Oh, so wow. my mom took me and dropped me off. At, yeah, I don't, it was. I think he was more over there for funsies. He was you know, kind of a big guy at the time. Wait, uh, you don't go to Kuwait for funsies? I don't know if I've ever heard that. You go to Mexico like for funsies. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so my mom took me and dropped me off at a Navy recruiting office. And they took a look at my scores and they offered me this program. They're like, hey, you know, we have this thing called like a nuke. Mm-hmm. The guy who was recruiting was not a nuke and fed me a bunch of lines about it. But uh, the bottom line there was they offered me a lot of money to go to this school. And they they show you a video and they, you know, tell you they're like, hey, you know, it's like college and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not like college, nothing like college. But uh, How yeah, so? Up, what, why isn't it like college? Uh, you know, so you wake up at 6 o'clock. You go PT, uh, which is like your physical part of it, mm-hmm. and they like run you and stuff. And then you show up at seven o'clock, and you're in class till four. And then at four, depending on your grades, you have mandatory study time. So like, all right, you have to be in the building for a minimum of two hours to study. Yeah. And you know, you're just like, there's no option, and it is like very condensed. They take all this knowledge and everything. And for somebody who didn't like doing homework in high school. Yes. That was going to be my next question. Like you said, you were lazy coming out of high school and then you're thrown into this like very regimented disciplinary kind of schedule. How did you even, how did you deal with that? Well, uh, somebody put a foot in my ass and (laughs) got me a choice. No, I mean, really, they, you know, I learned very early on that, you know, the way they punish you is to take away your free time and, you know, in high school, mm. I didn't want to do homework because I thought if I couldn't learn it in my eight-hour day, then you know it was more or less useless to me. Mm-hmm. And my test score is really good. I had a lot of teachers in my school who based a lot of their work off, uh, you know, homework and stuff. Were large parts of my grade, which I just didn't do. Right. So yeah, do you, like I almost get like this sense, like like that there was some form of like transformation that happened um, joining the Navy and sort. Like, do you look back at your your high school self almost like it's a different person? Yeah, and you know, I told my parents this at some point during my naval career that uh, if I would have just listened to the advice of people around me, my life would have been a whole lot easier. But Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Isn't that the I, truth? Like, And I feel like it's taken to a whole other level for somebody who joins the service. But like for any of us, just like, idiot, just listen. People are telling you very smart things. Just don't – like you don't know it all. Like this is – and this is what I love about this show is every now and then we get to sort of like reflect on – Man, I was kind of dumb when I was when I was a kid. Like, what did you? So, what were you doing in high school that, like, instead of studying, like, what would you rather be doing? Was it was it games at that time? Uh, I mean, kind of. So, of my friends, like, I think I had one group that played some video games, but normally I was going with the Xbox. You know, at the time Mm -hmm. is what our three sixty. But a lot of times, I mean, we were just out, you know, roaming this town. We listened to a lot of punk music back then. You know, the group I mainly hung out with. <laughs> we go to shows like in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That's where you, is that where you grew up? Was in Atlanta? In uh, South Atlanta. Well, I mean, I moved like more or less every year until I got to high school. And that's then, that's the military life, right? Like that's your yeah. That's your so, dad being in service. Yeah. Once your kids in high school, I guess you can you know stay in one place because you know moving in high school is kind of a rough transition. So once I hit ninth grade, I stayed there. Oh, okay. So, and that's where my dad got out of the army was in Atlanta. Okay. So was he in the army like from when he was a kid and just all the way up? Like when did he, when did he become part of the service? Like, is this a generational thing? Uh, I mean, like was he in a military household kind of thing? Yeah. So my grand, my grandfather was a Marine 
And my dad, the way he tells the story was he grew up in Indiana, and that's actually where I was born, uh, south of Indianapolis. But he went to a farmer's market and talked to a recruiter, and a week later they put him on a bus to Kentucky where he went to boot camp, and then they flew him to Germany. Uh, no he way. Got, yeah. So uh, he went to Germany. He was actually in uh, – oh, man, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to sound like an idiot. I think he was in West West Germany. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because they Germany. divided it. Yeah, of course. Yep, and he was on the uh, the line. No way, you know? dude. Yeah, so he was like – yeah, he has like a Cold War service ribbon, which is pretty <gasps> funny. Oh, yeah. my God. So like – okay, so like for someone like me, like because I – don't even touch guns like that's i'm so far removed i'm just like this is crazy but like growing up is it just it's just the way that it is like that that people very very close to you are off across the world like doing very very dangerous things like what is that i i want to tap into that like mentality a little bit yeah uh i mean i guess so my dad he got out went to law school and went back in he was like a army lawyer okay uh it's called a jag officer but you know, the only, like, I guess real time where it happened, like, where I saw, like, the guns on the military base besides, like, going in and out was, uh, I was in South Korea when 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. You personally were in South Korea? Yeah, like, my family lived there for two years. Uh, we're in South Korea, uh-huh. and, you know, that base, like, I, like, walked out that day, and there were, like, you know, tanks in the neighborhoods, and, you know, they, like, pulled my dad out of bed at, like, midnight. And took him to some bunker where they, you know, had like you know, a meeting with all these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they like they put the whole place on like lockdown. Like, you know, there were tanks and soldiers and like planes and artillery. And I mean, it was like you know they mobilized. Be- okay, so yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like from your perspective, like being halfway across the world and hearing this news that America's under attack. Yeah. Like you, at that moment, do you think you're going to war? Yeah, I mean that that was on that base. I mean. You know, we uh we have a bunch of soldiers. They call like uh, the rapid response units and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they did. They, you know, we rolled the M1 Abrams out. They parked them at the gates. You know, they put the sandbags out. There were guns and cannons. And, so what's that like? Neighbor- you're, like you're in bed when this is happening. You get woken up or like. Uh, so actually, I don't even think my dad woke my mom up when he left because he didn't know exactly what happened. But we woke up mm-hmm. that morning because I think it happened. You know, it was earlier in America when it happened. Right. Uh, and my mom was like watching the news that morning and thought it was like a video. Cause I mean, it doesn't look real. Totally. You're seeing this. Yeah. You're seeing this happen. And, uh, you know, we were getting ready, I think to go to school and some kids were coming back from the bus stop saying like some soldier in a tank, like opened up a tank and said, go home. So we lived oh in this like little neighborhood. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, bizarre. Okay. So, uh... As much I, we could, we could talk about nine eleven all day long. I want to talk a little bit about as well the. You're in South Korea. What is yeah. that like? <laughs> I mean, it was jarring. Like from a from a perspective, we the base we lived on before that was Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad had a choice: he could go over there for a year by himself, unattached, or go over for two years and take his family. Uh-huh. So they put uh, myself. I think I was ten at the time. My sister, who was eight, my little brother, who was five. Uh, on a plane and flew us, you know, like a commercial Korea. airliner, like just sort of like yep. pretty, pretty comfortable. What was the yep. conversation at home before this happened? Was it like this is happening or like were you were you involved at all? Uh, I don't think I was involved in the initial conversation. My dad had to go <laughs> over there two months early. So left my mom with three little kids. Uh, you know, that happens pretty routinely in the army. But I think for us, that was the first time he had really been like deployed mm-hmm. uh, for a long period of time. 
But then we all went over there and you know, we did a lot. We went to China, Thailand, uh, you know, India. You know, they took us, you know, very, we did a lot of like trips through the military while we were over there. So how does that, how does it now that you've, now that you're a grown man with a beard, um, yeah. like looking back at it all, like, do you think that like it's sort of morphed you or changed your trajectory in life in general? Like, is it make you more, I talk to people who moved a lot and they talk about how like they're very flexible. They can move jobs for like no problem or they can just pick up, they can continue that lifestyle. Like, have you, have you now kind of gone away from that? Like mobility. And so like, are you settled now? Like, or like what's, what's life now after all the like decades really of just being on the go all the time? Uh, I mean, you know, the, the term of being flexible, I, I think, applies very well. You know, like when I got out of the Navy, you know, me and my brother took a big road trip. I went to Chicago and I worked as, you know, lifeguard just to kind of decompress and hung out on the lake there a lot. Um, but then I got a job and, you know, I thought I was going to be in Cincinnati. They're like, hey, you want to come down here and interview? I'm like, yeah, so I went down to Cincinnati and interviewed for the job. And they're like, how do you feel about Houston, Texas? I'm like, well, I've never set foot in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, but why not? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I did that. But, you know, my sister travels a lot. She was recently in like uh, Iceland and South Africa. And I just got back from Costa Rica like two weeks ago. And my little brother travels a lot. So. Wait, okay. So wait a minute. You're still like you're still off. I didn't even realize that you were in Costa Rica. Like, is this does it now? Does this impact like today, like now in modern time? Like, does this impact how you and John record? the generational gamers podcast. Like you guys are, you seem to be on a pretty regular schedule, but like, yeah, this is why I sort of thought you were going to be settled, but you're also all over the place. Yeah. My job, I travel, you know, at least once a month yeah. uh, for work. And I normally go do a week somewhere. Um, and I, you know, I enjoy traveling very much. So mm-hmm. I'd oh. like to stay. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the Navy school here. I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. now that we've kind of got a little bit of a picture of, you're insane. You've, you've been all over the place. <laughs> Clearly that's, I mean, no, I'm really, um, but you're, you're in sort of, you're in Navy school and you've been thrown into this environment where you get up and you, you will study. It is not, you, it is not an option at this moment. Like, you know, that the end goal is to be in a submarine at that time, no. or are you just kind of prepping? Like, is this like kind of like general, like military school kind of thing? Yeah, so you have the option to, they call it subvol, right? So submarines, just due to the inherent risk on them, are, are, is an entirely volunteer service. Okay. So anyone who's on there, you know, they can, you know, wave their hands, say, I've had enough, and, you know, step off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I didn't know. Like, I grew up in the Army, so I know a lot about submarines. Uh, but I had an instructor in what they call A school, which is your first school you go to when you get out of boot camp, who was like the most hoo-yah, you know, let's go get it. You know, submarines were to be a guy. Yeah. And he really convinced me. He's like, you know, he talked about all these stories and, you know, just the, like, how tight the crew is. Because on a carrier, you really don't know everyone's name. But the right. submarine, you know, like, mine was a little bigger just because of its mission. Um, but, like, you know, my captain knew my name. We played on the same Frisbee team. Mm-hmm. You know, if I needed something, you know, I could go wake him up. Not that, you know, that was supposed to be done. But if it was bad enough, you know, they'd be like, you know, go rack out the captain. Yeah, and yeah. Car- you know, you don't do that. You don't see that. So, uh, yeah, I volunteered for submarines and then I volunteered again to go to my boat, which is called the Carter. Hang on a second. I still need to pause on this because as somebody who's never been on a submarine, somebody who likely will never go on a submarine, like it seemed like from the way that you're describing it, it seemed like you sort of had still an inclination towards like 
the isolation of being on a set. Like, like, you don't just like win somebody over. Like, what was it that, that they were able to convince you? Don't go all the way over. Like, don't go do something else. Come miles below the surface of the ocean and like, you know, everything will probably be fine. Like, I just feel like there's a lot to, to a lot of persuasion that is required. Or maybe not. Like, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, I guess, you know, when I went in, like, I knew I wasn't going to be in forever. You know, I was going You know, you kinda, would not be in forever? Yeah, I was going to go in, you know, kind of get my stuff together. And, you know, that motivation was really what I needed. Gotcha. Um, but while I was there, I was going to do, you know, I guess the most I could. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I went, I volunteered for submarines. And Might then as well there do the, the hardcore thing of just going onto a submarine. Yeah, so then uh, you know, they have this boat. It's called the USS Jimmy Carter, and it's like our special warfare boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does you know a unique mission to itself. It's one of a kind, and it is another thing you have to like volunteer interview for, and they clear you for it, and you go there. So I volunteered for that boat. Me mm-hmm. and a good friend of mine, Daniel Adrada, uh, he was like you know he knew a lot about submarines. His family was generationally submariners, uh, so he knew a lot about it. He's like, man, he's like, this is the tip of the spear. This is where we gotta be. Uh, and me and him were best friends, so we both volunteered together. And we both ended up serving together. So, what is it about that submarine? Like, is it powerful? Is it huge? Is it like what? What's special about it? Yeah, so I mean, it's four hundred feet long. I think yeah. that's what it is. Uh, and <laughs> fifty-eight feet tall. So I mean, it stands huge, stands mm-hmm. massive. Um, but it has like an extra hundred feet on it, and they pretty much just put like a special warfare platform on that submarine. And, you know, they give you this, like, ridiculous clearance. It's by itself on its own little pier. Uh, you know, we got something called a presidential unit citation, which the only submarine to get that since the Cold War. What does uh, that mean? Uh, so, the like, there's unit awards, right? Mm-hmm. So they have, like, a, a low one, which is, like, from your group. There's, a, like, one from, like, subpack, which is, like, you know, Western or Eastern. They can give this to you. Or the president can, like, give you an award saying, hey, you know, this was, like, a mission vital national security. So it doesn't happen often for submarines, but it happened to the Carter and me and mm-hmm. John both have that. So that's awesome. So, so do you guys know things that like, you're not allowed to talk about? <laughs> I've told this story before they give you something, you know, if somebody ever tells you that about clearance above like top secret, that's kind of bullshit. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, there's a clearance. <laughs> it's called a top secret special compartmentalized information. It's called an SCI clearance. And pretty much what that means is, that they're going to cut like the secret stuff into pieces and like I might know something and you might know something, but we can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So they give this to you on this boat just because if you overhear something like you're standing lunch line and somebody yells like something in an emergency, they're like, hey, sign this piece of paper. Don't ever talk about it. Uh, but yeah, on that boat, they give that to you. So, What if one day like you realize that you talk in your sleep and that all you're doing is just like blow, like blowing out like all these – national secrets all these things that you learned on the uh, boat just somebody just gotta snuggle up next to you at nighttime and, and they can hear all all your national secrets yeah they call that pillow talk there's a bunch of guys who try to impress girls <laughs> back in the 80s by telling them secrets and i think they went to jail for a very long time oh so. they told real secrets. why don't you just make up secrets you could make up yeah. stuff all the time you could you don't even have to tell the truth about what your name is so i hear yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you don't meet john on the on the Jimmy Carter. No, that's, that's where I met him. Oh, you always, oh, so I thought you said somebody else's name. I'm sorry about that. No. Okay. So 
you had you were you were an Xbox guy before you joined the Navy. Are you bringing an Xbox with you at the time? Like do you? Because I think John said that he was he brought a, a GameCube on with with him. Was that is was that your gaming experience, or were you able to bring on yours? And that's when you guys were like you like video games. Are we best friends on the submarine? Oh my gosh! No, I mean the story how I met John. I'm gonna embarrass him a little bit about this. Uh, yes, but, that's why so, you're here. So he was like uh, the number two guy, the number two mechanic on the submarine. So okay, he was kind of a big deal. Uh, and I get on, and you know I've been through this two years of school. I'm kind of disgruntled about it. Uh, and I get there, I'm like, all right. Why man, are you disgruntled? Hang on. Why? What? Just uh, kind of like just because I've been at school for all this time. Like I'm ready to get out there. And oh, start I see. Stuff. Okay, okay. And uh, so I get on the boat, and they put me on what's called the Tiger Team, which we have an inspection coming up, and they're making us clean for like 12 hours a day. Oh, geez. all the new guys. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I didn't go to two years of school to sit here and clean. So I get really angry. <laughs> yep. And that starts to reflect poorly in my performance. Well, John. Yeah, why don't you start doing some real work for me? So he. Oh, you there? Yeah, I missed you just for a second. Can you, oh, can okay. you start that part over? I'll have, to, I'll have to clean that up a little bit. Okay. So you're uh, disgruntled coming out of school. Yeah, so I was disgruntled coming out of school. Um, and they put me on this like cleaning crew thing mm-hmm. for an inspection. So, you know, I get really angry about that. Cause I'm with all these guys, you know, I've been in school for like three weeks and here I am two years into my career, uh, you know, cleaning like deck plates and, you know, granted it's kind of an important thing. We have an inspection coming up, but I'm angry about it. Uh, so John <laughs> sees this and was like, Hey man, you know, why don't you start doing some maintenance with us? And he got me involved. And, you know, I was kind of behind in my calls already, but he really, like, helped pick me up and, you know, get me involved and stuff and uh, introduced me to two guys named Emerson and Brown, who are, like, the two best mechanics in the division. And I really, That you sounds know, like a law firm or an ad agency or something. Emerson oh. and Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were friends. They were, like, the two best mechanics in the division at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really, like, you know, when I left that submarine, like, I have awards and accolades and stuff, but... A lot of it's due to the fact that, you know, if no one would have noticed, like, how angry I was, I would have been just a shit sailor. Were you, like, were you a hothead at the time, like, coming out of high school? No, I mean, normally. you seem so level-headed. Like, I can't even imagine you getting angry right now. Like, it's just, like, everything's fine. Everything's great. I think in anger, I might have yelled at someone once in my naval career. I might have yelled to try to make a point, but, you know, there was another guy who showed up the same day as me who, you know, just knew how to push my buttons. Oh, no. And one day, you know, I ended up, like, you know, outranking him, not only in the division, but just in seniority, Mm -hmm. uh, where we stood watch, and he messed up one day, and I mean, I just, you know, I let the anger get the best of me, and I ripped it. Oh, uh, is there, like, a thing, is that, like, a known thing in terms of, like, the mental health on a a submarine? Because, like, there's, like, when you... I'm trying, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but when people go into space, there's like the, there's some sort of like craziness that kind of takes over. Is there something that happens when you're on like the isolation and like, it, like maybe a bit of claustrophobia and all that kind of, and being with the same people like day in, day out, like it's gotta, it's gotta have some sort of like impact on your day to day, making you act out in ways that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And you know, they, uh, they give everyone, I don't know, I guess like a, like a trial period when you're in this thing called prototype, they put you on a submarine, they put you in shift work and they mm-hmm. kind of make it, you know, miserable for you. But what oh, they're okay. trying to do is trying to see, you know, if you can take it. Right. And the guys right. who can't hack it there, cause I mean, you can be great at schoolwork, but you know, if you're actually on the boat operating, turning valves or flipping switches, you know, whatever your job is, 
you know, if you start like freaking out or, you know, can't hack it there, they're like, hey, man, go to the surface, you know. Yeah. You're not a submarine guy. Shoot. Um, okay, so did I miss it? What was your what was your role specifically? Like, what were you brought on to do? So I was a nuclear mechanic is what me and John both were. Okay, so explain that to me because right now I'm picturing Homer Simpson handling like green like tubes uh, and stuff. So, but I'm guessing that's not what you guys were up to. <laughs> no. So submarines all run by uh, like steam-powered ships. Mm-hmm. The steam is, you know, the heat generated is from a nuclear reactor. So they have these mechanics, you know, we're probably about 20 strong, uh, that operate all the fluid systems, uh, like south of the reactor, so on the backside of the ship. Okay. Um, and any sort of like turbines, you know, there's, you know, uh, two electrical turbines, two mechanical turbines that drive the propul- the propulsor. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so we do all that. We, you know, rebuild it. We do valve maintenance. Okay, so it's pretty natural for you and John to cross paths. Like you were in the same yeah. kind of area, and then he finds you. And then at what point? Because I don't know about you, but like I don't just like walk down the street and meet somebody and go like, "Do you like video games?" Because I obsess about it, man. Like, can we be friends and talk about it? like how did you guys discover that? Like, maybe you're kind of like had this like, came on the boat with maybe this little secret that video games is all that you ever want to do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, John. You know, he was my boss, so he was in my section, mm-hmm. which uh, submarines are – they have an 18-hour day. Everyone stands a six-hour watch. So he was my boss, not only in my division but in my section, and uh, he used to come down and check on me. Mm-hmm. In like – you know, they called it engine moral levels, just you know, the lower part of the boat. Uh, so he'd climb down the ladders. He'd come down there, and he'd like sit with me in this place called PLO Bay. And uh, we'd sit there and we'd just talk. And, you know, he'd talk about, like, you know, 80s movies and stuff that I hadn't seen. <laughs> and we started talking about old video games. Uh-huh. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, so uh, once I was qualified, you know, we played video games together a lot, you mm-hmm. know, just in our free time. Because you have to have something to decompress on the boat. Mm-hmm. And video games and movies were a big part of that. And is that pretty much up to you to determine, like, how to best do that? Or is there anything, like, is there stuff on the boat to do? Like, I'm imagining it's not like a cruise ship where, like, you know, Saturday evenings is, like, there's, like, a play and there's a performance and stuff. It's basically, like, for you to bring things on, like, a book or movies or things like that. Actually, I mean, we have, uh, like, movie players on board, and we get, like, early releases of movies to take with us. What? Yeah. So, like, we had the Avengers probably three months before it came out on DVD. Oh, they gave it to us awesome. for a deployment, and we we watched that. I mean, I could probably quote that movie to you a hundred times. I'm sure. Yeah, we we burned that movie to death. Um, and then we have a place called Cruise Lounge, and because the Jimmy Carter is a lot bigger than other boats, mm-hmm. uh, and we had like a little lounge area with like a 55 inch TV, and then we had a big TV on Cruise Mess that we'd watch. Uh, and did you yeah. get around? I'm sorry. Did you, so when you John sort of like picked it, did you embarrass him yet? Did did we get to the embarrassing part? Oh, just that, you know, he was kind of the guy that, you know, started me on a, a good path in the submarine. That's not embarrassing. That's such a nice thing to say. <laughs> he doesn't like talking about it. He got out after that boat. And that we had really bad Because he had meters. enough of you, apparently. Well, just gonna we had really drive this wedge in between you guys right here. <laughs> yeah, we had some leadership issues on that boat. And John, like, really stood between, like, our really bad chief, whose name was Beering, and mm-hmm. our division. You know, he kind of became, like, a wall in between, like, the shitty leadership and him and us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he took a lot of a lot of beatings for that. So, he so had did really you guys? Hot. Did you guys leave the boat at the same time, or were you? No, he, he was he, he was gone about, first. Yeah, he left about three years. Got out three years before I did in the navy. Oh wow! Yeah. What did you ever do without him? Well, I mean, 
you know, like I said, Adrada, me and him got qualified probably right about uh, the time John left. He actually right, right. Uh, pinned me. Like You qualify submarines, you get a pin, and that's like a really big deal. And he was the one that got to pin me. So That's awesome. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, so what, what is, how does the end work for, like, how did, is it a term? Did you agree to a certain number of years of service on the boat or yeah, one day you just things. go, no. middle fingers to everybody. <laughs> I'm out of here. I wish it was that easy. Now you have to fill you like a minimum contract. So <laughs> okay. I had six years. I did. Isn't that not daunting to you at the start? Like six years. If somebody said, I'm going to be do, like going away. I mean, I'm at a different point in my life than, than you were then, or even now, like, would you, would you be doing? Would you be willing to do something like that again? Somebody said six years, you're underwater. Bye. Uh, I mean, if there was a a something called unrestricted submarine warfare, which pretty much means go out there and sink any ship in the ocean. Um, like if it was like you know national security or something like that again, they called you know said, hey, we need somebody to go do this, you know, obviously I would, you know, say, all right, man, I'm, I'm there tomorrow. You know, so if back. it's like a big deal, yeah. you're, you're in. But, you know, right now, you know, the people they need are, you know, like the SEALs, you know, who are doing, you know, crazy stuff or Green Berets, whatever you want to call them, which, you know. Okay, so yeah. what's your what's your family situation now? Like, so give me a, situ- give me a, a sense of, like, what would you be leaving uh, to go do so, if if the call came, like, what would you be leaving to to go do that? Who do you have to talk to? Uh, I have a a girlfriend about a year and a month. Um, she's from what would Houston. She think? Uh, she'd probably be unhappy with the decision. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess about yeah. me up and leaving again. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I have a cat. So. Okay, so that what would you, what would you do with the cat? Look, at, I mean, like. I mean, probably I, what I hear about cats is that you can just like leave the food out and they just, they'll eat it. Yeah. Like it probably just take care of itself pretty much. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how much food I'd have to leave. I was really going, but <laughs> six, yeah. years of, six years, six years, six years of cat food. food. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Okay. So let's shift into the podcast then. Like, okay. So okay. like you're separated from John for about three years and then you, you reconnect. Um, yeah. is that because I'm trying to, trying to remember, um, like, cause is it because when you, when you got off the boat, you ended up taking a job in Texas? Houston. Yeah, yeah. In Houston. So I was trying to figure out if I knew anyone in Houston to there figure out where I should live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't even think I had John's number at the time. I messaged him on Facebook. I'm like, Hey man, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. Uh, you know, do you live in Texas? He's like, yeah. I'm like, where at? He's like, well, I live in Houston on the South side. I'm like, Oh, well I'm moving to Houston. And when I came down here at first, like I lived with them for like three months. Yeah. And him and his wife, Amy, you know, who's, you know, just the best of me, feeds me great food all the time. Uh, you know, put me up for a while and their two kids, you know, didn't mind me living there, I guess. But, you know, me and him talked about this podcast thing for a little while because he was listening to it at the time. And, you know, he started like talking about it. He's like, hey, you know, I think I want to do this. We talked about video games. We talked about what to call it. And more or less, he just took weed. He bought the mics. And one day we sat down at his table with a beer and you know, poured the beer and we went at it. And, I mean, our early episodes were rough. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we were trying to do, like, research and stuff. But that wasn't the way to do it. You know, we're, we're not the <laughs> So. Yeah. 
So what has it been like, man? You're, you guys have been going since like the su- – was it last summer that you started? It must have been like yeah. July or something like that if I remember correctly. Yeah, we're um, like 24 episodes, so two more in one a year. So we do it every other week. And you know what's funny is that like you guys always end the show and you say like I see you in a couple weeks or whatever. I'm like I thought that's like I, I'm in my mind it's a weekly show because I just and I I want it to be a weekly show. Maybe that's where it comes from. Like I want you guys to to do it more because I really just enjoy you guys sitting back and forth and the chemistry that comes through. You guys are, like that's I wanted to explore from your perspective a lot of the details and a lot of the things are, are on John's episode as well. But for people who've listened to both, um, you probably don't remember anyway. So let's be real. But I wanted to kind of get your perspective as well. And then it's a new what's new about talking to you now versus when I talked to John then, which is you guys have a good half a year since then or almost I mean I feel like John was on like September or something so it's been it's been a while and like yeah. do you feel because as a listener I feel like the show has gotten so much better like what is what's yeah. something that has surprised you about about podcasting and now that you've got a little experience under your belt you know uh I guess one of the main things is you know as I play games now like the stories, I guess I try to remember them better. Like every now and again, like a story will hit me <laughs> I from know like, that well. you know, like 2006. I'd be like, oh, I remember this one thing in Halo 2, like, you know, the zombies thing. Like somebody made a zombies mode. And I was yep. just thinking about that the other day and how hard, like, wow, that was like a whole thing. Like there were months of my life that were filled with Halo zombie matches. Mm-hmm. And that was so odd. You know, that, that was just like a thing. And it's weird to try and actively remember, like, as you're doing things now, it's like, do, do I log this for later? Or like, and now me as a dad, like, I can either use that brain power to remember this video game detail, or should I remember, like, my kids, like, sleeping in diaper change schedule? Like, cause for some reason, those two are mutually exclusive. Like, I don't have the, the bandwidth and storage capacity for both. Um, but that is definitely something I totally connect with you on that, man. Like, I, yeah. every time I'm playing a game, I'm like, gotta remember that for the podcast. I gotta remember to, and, and sometimes I'll fool myself into thinking, of course I'll remember. Look how profound this moment is. And then Sunday comes to record and nope. It's gone. It's totally, totally gone. So what, okay. So you, you're talking about Halo and like, I know that you're, you're big into shooters. I need to like, I need to witness this. Like, I, I really want to encourage you to start streaming. And we talked about this at the, before we really started the show. Like you have this mystique and I almost want to, as much as I want to have you like come out and show everybody who you are, show everybody the beard that I'm able to see today. There's also this like really cool thing of not knowing that. And I can't decide what's better. Like you can sort of let John do all like the, the spotlight stuff and you just be this person, this master of, of shooters. He, he gives me a lot of credit in that, in that field and why, you know, I play him. A lot. I but don't you know. play them not only just a lot, but a lot at the same. Like I wanted to talk to you about like marathon gaming sessions. Like, oh, man. like I I get the sense that you're able to sit down and play like Titanfall for like eight hours at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> I, I guess the main thing is you know normally I don't like to play games like by myself. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of friends you know who you know because I moved so much you know either guys from high school or guys from the boat. Um, you all game and most people you know one of the reasons i play xbox still is most people i know have an xbox mm-hmm. so like if i sit down and play titanfall for like six hours normally because somebody's like hey man he's like we're gonna go pub stomp uh what is that oh man like, I'm so, I'm such a oh dude. uh like public matches 
We're gonna oh, go, that's like, hilarious. Yeah, so we're going to, like, pub stomp people. Um, pub stomp. Just, like, yeah, just in open matches. Um, so we'll go out there and we'll do it. And I guess, you know, a big thing these days is it doesn't matter what the objective in a video game is. Everyone just wants to shoot each other. Uh-huh. Uh, so when I play <laughs> Destiny, like, when I play PvP, I play a match called Control, which there's, like, three points. And by how many points you control, you get more points for killing each other. So, oh, like, okay. I didn't realize yeah, that about that mode. That's cool. Yeah, so the guys I play with, like, you know, our KDs are not that good, but we're in, like, the 1% win, like, the 1% of, like, winning. Mm-hmm. You know, just as high as you can be uh, because we play the objectives. And, like, I will give my body to control, like, the objective points. <laughs> like, my KD might not be great, but I play a defensive class, and I will take that point. Yeah. You know? And I always love feel that. Sick. I felt yeah. the same way about when Titanfall 2 came out and they introduced um, Bounty Hunt during the beta. And oh, I was yeah. like, I immediately went for like the objective because like that's kind of just how my brain works. It's like, dude, like they're telling me to do this. But I totally understand that that's not how everybody else who's been playing shooter, that all they want to do is kill each other. And like I immediately was having fun because I was one of the only ones doing that. And I'm like, yeah. this is a little like I found a little piece of shooter heaven that i can enjoy because nobody else knows how to how to win at this thing and i tell people that you know i try to make that apparent on the podcast and when john says like i'm not good at shooters you know while i'm a good team player like i'm always like the bridesmaid never the bride like i got two friends who are straight slayers (laughs) like this Mm -hmm. guy named garcia and this guy named lanning i mean they will like just wreck face in one on one engagements. So me and these other guys, you know, we will control the map mm-hmm. and we will tell them where the other team's spawning and they will just like lay waste to teams before us. Holy crap. Can you okay, I need to because I feel like I watched some of maybe you and John were playing Battlefront or something like that. Yeah. And I was like you the, you didn't have the names by like your screen or John's screen, but you could tell. You could definitely tell because one of the screens was the the reticle was just like following eyeballs and face and heads. And the other screen wasn't doing that. So, but I wanted to get into a little bit more of like the mindset of like what makes somebody who's great at shooters, like what is it? Because I want to be great at shooters, but I don't even know like what to do, what do I do to change my game to be better at them other than like, maybe drink some more energy drinks to be like a little bit more twitchy. I just, I don't know, but I have to say before I even finish the question after watching you play, like just, I did notice that, that you, you actively do follow like headshots and maybe like just seeing that did change the way I ended up playing battlefront with John, like the next day or something like that. And I tried to do that. So now I've got you one-on-one. What is it that makes somebody really really good and like what what or even like your friends what makes them what makes you say that they're they're so good that that they're like next level uh so i listen to a podcast called a crucible radio which Mm -hmm. is the destiny pvp mode is called crucible and there are three guys on there one of them is name is uh like dry bones 89 (laughs) uh and i mean the name sounds ridiculous but he is you know well, yeah, Mario character. A kid was born in '89. I get it. Yeah. Um, but what makes him so good is, you know, he positions himself on the map properly to like watch what's called a lane. So you. Around corners where they like run, but a lot of people don't. I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna have to get you started. I I, got, I dropped you just for a second. You were just talking about lanes. 
Okay, yeah. So lanes in video games. So there's like main passages where everyone runs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, like you don't have to be the best, like jumping in the air, throwing grenades at the people's speed. You know, a lot of it's just knowing where people are going to be. Mm-hmm. So if you know, like, oh, you know, we are controlling, you know, like if there's A, B, and C on a map, everyone's going to be trying to take B. Uh, so if you position yourself around B to watch these people run and throw their bodies at it, you can pick them <laughs> off easily. I've never heard it described that way. Is that is that a thing that people? Yeah, that's the way they. I throw my body. I give my body for the for the objectives. What you're saying? Yeah, and that's you know I do that a lot. You know, in Destiny when I play a like a point like an objective based game, like mm-hmm. I might not come out of there with like you know the best KD, but I will have the most captures. Like I will I will make sure that other team does not have the points. <laughs> I have no doubt that that's actually what what happens. So. Yeah. Tell me about like learning the maps because this is something that like I don't know that I've known a map as well as I've ever known like like Goldeneye I knew those maps inside and out I knew that when I went like I could even as I'm ta- telling you this like I'm walking through the complex like I I can just see like all the different lights and there's all these different cues but now like there's so many games if I find it so hard to really play any one game enough like there will be never. I will never play a game as much as I play GoldenEye or Star Fox 64, like those games. And there's like two maps on Star Fox. We played multiplayer endlessly. Um, Like, how do you go about learning it? Is it just that you're more apt to memorize maps and identify the choke points? Or is there something else? Because I sort of imagine this upper echelon of shooter fans who like print things out and you've got like you cover your floor with the entire map plan and you, i don't even know like maybe it's up on your wall and you, and you put like the little pin tacks up and like little strings and i don't know man like tell how to is it or is it just memory is it just it's maybe that's the skill part that comes in yeah i mean a lot of it is you know to me it's just memory i'm sure people like you know uh that crucible radio podcast they always encourage you to watch your own games and, like watch how you die uh I don't. I don't necessarily do that you know, at all. Actually, do you capture but, uh, any of your gameplay? Only if I do something really awesome. Like, if you look at my Xbox profile, there's a couple like Titanfall clips. Like, <laughs> like I grappled someone. Like, both our mechs blew up at the same time. Like, I grappled them out of the air. Mm-hmm. And on the Reddit, somebody talked about how hard that was. So I spent like a whole day trying to do this. Now, if you look, there's only one clip of me actually doing it. Yeah. But I tried for a long time to like, you know, catch someone in the air with a grapple, and now I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, uh, but those are normally things like I'll record like ten, fifteen seconds, and me getting like you know a quad feed or something like that of you know getting a bunch of people. Do you mean time. like with the grappling hook, like the movement mechanic thing? Yeah, like yeah, where yeah. You can yeah, you can do that to another person. And then what happens when you snag them? Well, you pull them towards you, or yeah. you go to them if you're in the air, and then you melee and you do like a jump kick and you kick them in the side of the head. That is the coolest thing. Okay, so. <laughs> You're ta- I think you're talking mo- mainly about Titanfall 2, but like, what, where were you when Titanfall 1 came out? Like, were you, were you on the forefront? Because I was so pumped. But I remember that reveal at E3 or, or, yeah, I guess it was E3. It was, it was very close to when they revealed the Xbox One and this be- was going to be like the game, right? It was getting like game yeah. of the show all over the place and I was all in. Were you just as hyped or were like, yeah. I mean, there's history there too with the development team coming over from, from Modern Warfare, right? Yeah, so I bought a PlayStation 4 originally because mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was going to be the place to play Destiny. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was a Well, know, that's what they were telling you. Game. Yeah, uh, so when the night Titanfall came out, I bought an Xbox yeah. One um, to play it. And then, you know, Titanfall 2 came out, 
And I think I was more concentrated on Battlefield 1 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I listened to someone say how good the campaign was. What did it, and four, I was, like, was it 4? Battlefield 4? In my, uh, well, when Titanfall 2 came out, it came out the oh, same. Oh, I see. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, next, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking Titanfall 1. Sorry. Yeah. So when Titanfall 2 came out, you know, I didn't buy it initially. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but at Titanfall 1, I love that game. Now, I think it got overshadowed later by Destiny, but I did. I played it a lot. Yeah, so. man. And actually, now that you mentioned that too, like I bought Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 as like a bundle in what I would oh. say is like probably the best bundle there that and i know i might even take some uh i don't think there's anybody who would argue that because there was also that bundle from activision where you could get um infinite warfare and then destiny the collection they've been they've been kind of like pimping that out ever since but i i still think after giving this three and a half seconds of thought i think that the titanfall 2 (laughs) (laughs) bundle in the battlefield one like okay so I feel like, like shooters have been stellar this generation, like really it's stellar. And it's, it's mainly just, I, but I don't think that's the general consensus. I think if, if you were to ask like a, an average gamer, like, what do you think, where do you think shooters are at? I think that they would tell you that they're a bit on like the downturn, but I think that has mainly to do with just how much weight is given to Call of Duty. And like, I don't think that they're elevating each and every year, but you have so many more options now yeah, more than ever. I tell people, you know, if you want like the best gunplay, now Destiny kind of has a high barrier to entry, mm-hmm. just because like of the way the loot system works. But the gunplay in Destiny feels so good, and I mean Titanfall is so fast, mm-hmm. like the movement mechanics between the grappling hook and the like, the little like teleport thing. I mean, you know, it just it feels like so snappy, mm-hmm. and I don't think like you know. I don't. I haven't gotten that hyped in a video game like I get in Titanfall two, you know, in a while. Like yeah, standing yeah. up, yelling at my TV. <laughs> you know? See, this is people need to see this because I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I really. <laughs> Although I, I have like, I get a little snappy. You know what? You know what game really gets me? This is totally off topic, but I'm wearing a Donkey Kong shirt. Donkey Kong Country <laughs> was the first time I was playing it with, I was just dating her at the time, but when Chelsea and I were, were kind of handing the controller back and forth, we were like, I was Donkey and Donkey Kong and she was Diddy Kong and trying to beat Donkey Kong Country. And, and I let my rage come out in front of her. That was the first time it was, it was Donkey Kong Country. So Jacob Rush, that's where, that's how, in case you didn't hear that story, that's why I, I have some ill will towards all these more Donkey Kong games. Just go away, Donkey. Anyway. We're okay, so we're heading into I guess a fall season where some new things kind of are happening with shooters, but also some old things kind of like it's actually that's all we're getting is a bunch of old stuff kind of with a new coat of paint on it with with uh World War Two, Call of Duty World War Two, and then Destiny Two. Um just yesterday they announced some more stuff coming for uh Battlefield One. And I say yesterday, but this will probably be like two weeks ago at E three. So yeah. um what what are your sort of like what do you think we've got in store or what's in store for you, I guess, in terms of shooters? Like, do you jump on these things as they come? Destiny 2, I'm imagining, has to be like a day one purchase for you. But do you walk away from the other shooters that, that you've been playing kind of all year? Uh, and that's kind of a hard thing. You know, I got kind of burned out on Destiny after uh, the Age of Triumph. That's what mm-hmm. they had. They kind but of how like, many hours you know, did that take to burn out on it? Uh, oh, total? I mean, I probably have 2,000 plus hours. In this <laughs> and just an absurd number. Come um, on, dude. 
Yeah. I, I think he said that on the podcast and I'm just like two. I think he did. Right. Am I not, am I not just making that up? No, that's, uh, it's over 2000. I checked that probably in December and I had plus the head. I freaking love it. So, okay. So what like destiny, so you're not going to be, you know, jumping into destiny two right away or is it, I feel like you're in denial if you think that's the case. Well, I mean, I will buy it day one. You know, I have it pre-ordered. It's a day one purchase. Um, the thing that'll determine, I guess, how much I play it, you know, is like the people I play it with. And I talked to John about this some, but I mean, one of the main reasons I love video games so much is, you know, it's not the in-game story. It's the stories I tell people about mm-hmm. them. Like, you know, my memories of Destiny are not, you know, like, oh, the, the game was so great. It was, and, you know, the first time a guy ran me through, like the Prison of Elders, I got Galahorn and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> And the guy, like, threw his controller. He was so mad. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, me and him were best friends. He's just like, screw you. I can't believe it. He'd been trying for, like, a year and had never gotten it. And I was like, hey, what's this yellow thing I got? And he oh, just, like, my lost, God. Lost <laughs> uh, that would be something that I would do. Like, oh, what's this? And just have zero, zero thing. I think, I don't know. I think about a movie called The Sandlot, and he has the, the baseball signed by Babe one Ruth. One of the best movies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, signed yeah. by some girl. Yeah, some baby Ruth. Babe Ruth! A classic. All right, man. Well, I'm so glad that we got a chance to to do this and have this chat. I could talk to you. I actually want to encourage you to do like a like a first-person shooter podcast. I would totally listen to that. Like, obviously, John is not the guy for that. And I'll tell you right now, Dave Moore, also not the guy for that. So we need to find somebody for you to just nerd out about shooters because I could listen to you, to you talk about that all day long. I hope that that's something that you do. But for the me- in the meantime... Tell everybody where they can find you on your recently uh, new on Twitter. You're, you know, you're, you got a little Xbox avatar, which is, which is great. And um, the name of the podcast and all that good stuff. Uh, so the name of the podcast is uh, the Generational Gamers. Uh, you can find us on iTunes or the Dayspace Network. Uh, on Twitter, I am Deadlock underscore two one two one. There's not a lot on there, but if you message me, I promise I'll message you back. Um, or you can find me at Deadlock two one two one on xbox live you ever want to play shooters with me awesome um, yeah that's about it that's great man well, okay before we let you go what the hell's what's deadlock uh so oh man so on the original xbox version of halo there were names that would cycle through oh no so way when i was like 12 uh you know i was born on the 21st and when xbox live version went up i really liked the name deadlock so i put deadlock and that was taken. I put Deadlock two one. That was taken. I put Deadlock two one two one. So when I was two. like, yeah, I was like twelve, and I'm like, oh man, this is real cool, man. So yeah, nice. I like it. Be- well, th- that version for me is awesome. Schlong. So there you go on PlayStation Network. I can- still can't change it. That sucks balls. Um, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. I think in life, I think we should all strive to be a little bit more like Ben Butler. He's my butler and yours. Thank you so much to Ben at Deadlock underscore 2121 from the Generational Gamers podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a nice guy. That music, by the way, was the intro for their show. Uh, it's the entertainment system. It's Star Fox, of course, Corneria, comma, Asteroids. It wasn't from OC Remix. So that's that's all the information. I That's the YouTube if you search entertainment system dash star fox 
You'll find it. It's a rockin' tune. We don't do too much of the metal, even though that's that's where my heart lies, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get out of here. Uh, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for subscribing and listening to the show. And uh, sharing is amazing. Everybody who retweets, I love you. I love you very, very much. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Capri, Sean Lake Connery Capri, like the pants. Follow the website, We the Nerdy, and uh, the show, We the GamerCast. If you like, you don't have to, but if you like, we're, we're doing some pretty cool stuff over on patreon.com slash makeusbetter. And you can support us there just like our executive producers, Nick Militia and Joel Brooks. Thank you guys. It really does mean the world to, to me, Bobby, and Toby that you choose to support us there. Totally optional, by the way. Remember, wethenerdy.com is the website that hosts this podcast, and be sure to go there. Literally every day there's new news. Garrett Bland is still killing it uh, with the daily news, digestible and curated. Uh, I talked about Next Machina. We've got a review up there by Kyle Simcox, as well as some QuickTime reviews. They're like little snack size reviews. Uh, we're trying this out. Just a little, I mean, it's not a tweet size, but it's definitely not the, you know, 1500 word articles that we, that we typically do. So let us, let us know what you guys think of that. We've got some stuff up there for Ghost Recon. There's a Rocksmith 2014 remastered there, and also Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Thank you to Gary Gray making the artwork, and you guys can join us over on the We The Nerdy Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash group slash We The Nerdy Fan Group. And we have, I promise you, <laughs> Alejandro Buendia and David Ray. You guys are probably waiting on bated breath, just like everybody else should, for your episodes to air, and they are coming. I don't anticipate really anything happening, and basically, unless I get... You know what? I'm not even going to say it. I'm going camping. I'm hoping for safe travels. So look forward to a partly Spanish episode with Alejandro Buendia. And then I think Dave Ray and I became real good friends. I don't know. Dave, you can let me know. I, I'll just put it out there. And sometimes, sometimes it's just, maybe if I just be a little creeper on my own little podcast, I'll just will friendship into, into happening. By the way, speaking of friendship, now that I'm going to post this, I'm going to go downstairs and watch, watch me some Big Brother. If you guys are into Big Brother, hit me up because I love that trash. Otherwise, this is episode 93 of We The Gamer Cast. It's now in your ears. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back next week. Happy Canada Day. Happy Independence Day. Welcome to Earth. I'll be back next week. I'll see you there too. Now it's time for Jason. The baby's still sleeping. Jason! 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 Sean! 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 where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!